This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Cats at night. Now here's John Katsimatidis. This is John Katsimatidis. This is Cats at night. And we have a great show for you today. We, we have, uh, well, the Republicans outnumbering the Democrats in the studio today. We have a uh, former uh, congressman and current borough president, Vito Fasella. Craig Eaton, 10 years GOP chairman of Brooklyn, and forever a Democrat, a forever Democrat, Judge Richard Weinberg. And guys, I understand there's some breaking news on on the election, and we're going to have uh, Mike Ryan from the election Board of Elections on at uh, right after Mr. Dershowitz. Uh, tell us, uh, uh, Vito, uh, what's going on? Well, well, typically, uh, there are certain cutoff dates and people can change their registration in order to vote in a particular primary. I'll be a Democrat or Republican. And the date is set so you can't really just change in flux and try to take over. And all of a sudden, there's a screw-up. And as a result of this year's two things happened. Uh, They moved the uh, traditional primary, which is in June to August, and you have a redistricting uh, occurring that occurs every 10 years and those two things together where the legislation in the, in the state was remained silent on this issue, as a result, the sort of a quirk has been created. And therefore, people who are, can change their registration up until the primary date in August uh, to the Democratic Party, for example, and vote in the Democratic Party. And Mike, I think Mike Ryan will speak more to it, uh, but that's it in a nutshell. And that'll be right after Professor Dershowitz. And uh, Craig Eaton, you want to say something? And, and the funny thing is, so you, have, you can have people change it even on primary day, August Correct. 23rd. And then two months later, go back and become a Republican. Or, change the next day. Change it back well, to, to, you know, to the Republican. party. We also have on uh, a, a, a logical uh, state senator that's running in Brooklyn, uh, a black minister that, that is running against the woke culture. So you were GOP chairman uh, in, uh, Brooklyn. Uh, in Brooklyn. Well, Craig, you, you get the job. This you is get, opportunity. You get the yeah. cut. No sabotage. Get the common sense guy elected. I agree. That's all it comes down. And other breaking news that Lee is going to tell us about, Wally Cleaver (laughs) is alive. Breaking news. WABC. Leave it to Beaver star Tony Dow is actually alive. His agent had posted it. Everybody picked it up that he died of cancer. It turns out he's in his last hours of hospice care. His wife contacted the media, so Tony Dow, leave it to Beaver Star, is actually alive. So, so everybody should say a prayer. Our Absolutely. Prayers are with- and that he goes peacefully. And, and, and you know, you know, hanging. You know what caused him to die so young, or going to die so young? No. He hung around with uh, uh, the Beave. No, the Beaver was a good kid. <laughs> he hung around with Eddie Haskell. Oh, that's before my time. <laughs> Eddie Haskell was he? He was the proverbial. 
We got so much breaking All right, news. Just tell <laughs> yes. us who's on now. We got so much breaking news. Uh, also on the line for us, we have Professor Alan Dershowitz. Oh, also, I want to mention to everybody before we get to the esteemed constitutional expert, Professor Dershowitz, we're going to have Commissioner Ray Kelly. If you recall, right here on WABC Radio, we talked about that video of the cop getting beaten down by the teenager who had just been arrested and let out. So now that's making all the rounds. So we're going to talk to Commissioner Kelly about the lawlessness in New York City. We'll also be speaking to Gordon Chang. He's an expert on China. There's a lot of news going on in China. They tried to undermine the Federal Reserve. They're buying up farmland. We'll also be speaking to Conrad Tiller. That is that hip-hop minister in Brooklyn. He's a common-sense guy. He is running for state senate. And we'll also be going north to Connecticut GOP chair Ben Prado. But first on the line, we have Professor Dershowitz. Uh, what's your latest book, Professor Dershowitz, again? What is it, The four, your 40th? It's called 50th. It's 50th. called The Price of Principle. And there was a big ad in the New York Times back page congratulating me on my 50th book. But I'm halfway through my 51st book. You know, you said that Republicans uh, are more than Democrats on this show. But you know who really wins? People from Brooklyn. I think we outnumber any other borough on this show. Yes, we do. That's yes, correct. we do, Professor. That's correct. I mean, this yeah. whole thing with the redistricting, it sets the stage for a one-off test of a type of open primary election. We wanted to talk to you, Professor Dershowitz, about GOP Senator Grassley. He says he's a basically a whistleblower complaint that the FBI and the Department of Justice are protecting Hunter Biden. Could this be true? I mean, Senator Grassley, he is very well respected. Well, I think there may be time for a special prosecutor because it's very difficult to ask the Justice Department to do an independent investigation of the son of the president. And, you know, justice not only must be done, it must be seen to be done. As you know, I don't like weaponizing the criminal justice system or targeting people and then finding the crimes, whether it's Republicans or Democrats. But I think that in this case, the idea of appointing somebody who's outside of politics and not under the control of the president might be something that would give more credibility to any investigation. Alan, it's it's Richard Weinberg, but you already have a sitting U.S. attorney in Delaware who's been doing the investigation. Isn't that becoming a problem? No, I see. I think he's mostly um, <clears throat> mostly out of politics. I mean, he's been uh, a U.S. attorney for longer than any of the current people in politics, and he has an extraordinary reputation. But in the end, the decision has to be made by the Attorney General of the United States, who is appointed by the President of the United States. And I think a lot of people will in the end not trust the result, uh, particularly if it's not to prosecute. Uh, As I said, I don't like prosecuting people who are targeted, but the evidence has to go where it's taking you, and and there has to be an objective assessment of of the evidence. That I don't want to investigate further on Biden or to prosecute, but I just hope that whatever rules are applied are applied neutrally and equally to both sides. Professor, um, uh, Paul Pelosi has been accused yeah. of— uh, of listening to his wife and getting a lot of inside information that he's trading on. And the family is worth now hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, I mean, uh, some of the laws, you know, doing this, this radio show the last few years, I found out it's not against the law for senators or congressmen to lie uh, while they're in Congress on the Senate floor. 
uh, and it's not against the law or unless it was changed to, to use inside information to make hundreds of millions of dollars. I, I, I've seen very few people retire being in the state, in the, in the U.S. Senate or, or, or U.S. Congress uh, for more than 10, 20 years to retire poor. Do you remember Martha Stewart went to jail? Yeah, well, she went to jail because her lawyers gave her really bad advice to go and to volunteer to speak to the U.S. attorney who set a strap for her. She wasn't convicted for doing anything wrong. She was convicted for not being completely truthful. So, yeah. you know, there are these these issues. And uh, uh, again, you just I worry so much about what's going on with our country today, with everything being partisan, everything being political. But if in the end the Justice Department were to decide to prosecute Trump, which I don't think they will do, but if they were to do that and not prosecute Biden, half the country would believe that these were partisan decisions which could have gone the other way had they been a different president. And that's not the way the justice system should operate. You know, there's another thing going on much like that, you know, I think it's in somewhere in the Midwest where – the Democrats are supporting an extremely right-wing Republican for the primary, paying money, taking out ads, because they think that if that Republican gets the Republican nomination, he'll be easily beaten. So the Democrats are trying to fix. They did that in Maryland the in the governor's race, primary. Alan. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. There's something wrong with that, and I think it's something that Dirty. the law ought to look at. You know, you talked, uh, Cass, talk, Mr. Cassimides talked about the uh, idea of um, uh, people making money in Congress. There are two laws. Number one, the Constitution basically protects senators and congressmen from being prosecuted for what they said or did on the floor of Congress. Now, you know, once, 150 years ago, a guy in the Senate beat another guy up with a cane and almost killed him. Uh, that's even worse than what's going on today. Uh, but there is a constitutional immunity. The other thing about uh, investing, uh, that's been changed now. I think the law has now gotten a little tougher. Up until recently, they could openly trade on inside information, and a lot of congressmen, as you say, got very rich. But Nancy Pelosi refused to answer the question, and she, she moved away the microphone and walked away. Yeah, she well, just she flat out denied it. Yeah. Yeah, she has to be transparent, and we have to be transparent in the media or scholars, and we have to look Equal hard. justice oh, for all. That's what we stand for. Equal justice yeah. for all. What do you say, Vito Fasella? Uh, professor, I got a question. You bring You're the up only this... congressman that retired poor. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, consciously, I never bought uh, a stock when I was there just for the perception that there might be something. So. Yeah. Um, the, the thing you bring up, Professor, and that's regarding the, the climate. Let's call it the political climate, the toxic nature yeah. of what's happening. And the anybody who's on the other side, you use everything possible, not just to compete and to win a race, but to destroy the other person. Yeah. That's yeah. how I yeah. see it. And you know, we, we both bring around a little bit. I'm curious, what did you see 30 or 40 years ago to what we see today? And what should change to... To sort of simmer the the toxic nature of what's happening right now in, in either Washington or the state capitals? Well, the one thing that's different is people in the Senate, in the House, in state houses got along with each other in mm -hmm. days past. There was probably some corruption, too, but they got along with each other. Today, it, you know, Lincoln and Douglas wouldn't, have, wouldn't be allowed to debate today. 
half the people would say we believe in Lincoln, so Douglas shouldn't speak. The other half would say we believe in Douglas, so Lincoln shouldn't speak. You know that the library in Chilmark, Massachusetts, where I live every summer, has banned me from speaking because I defended Trump? <laughs> it's not about me. It's about the people of Chilmark who want to hear me. And you know what the excuse was for banning me? I was too popular. Too many people came, and therefore they had to cancel me. I said, why don't you just restrict the number of people who come? Oh, we hadn't thought about that. So, you know, people don't want to hear opposing points of view today. Yeah, well Professor Dershowitz, if you want to stay on, you're welcome to stay on. I understand we have the breaking news that the Board of Elections, Mike Ryan, is on uh, uh Yes, and um, thank you so much for joining us last minute. We were very surprised, Mike Ryan, about hearing uh, about this news, that we could change our party affiliations due to the redistricting. Can you explain how this is possible? Yes, this is actually uh, breaking news. We just received guidance today from the State Board of Elections. Uh, Due to the court-ordered primary uh, that that – due to the court order that creates the August primary – a unique situation has been created this year, allowing voters to change their enrollment uh, when voting by affidavit ballot at the poll sites on Election Day. And as well, as of July 5th, 2022, all enrollment changes uh, take place immediately and will continue as per statute until the next restricted period begins on February 14th, 2023. So, so what does that mean? That means if you have, uh, like uh, Craig Eaton, you are a common sense Republican that'd like to see a common sense Democrat in an election. Talk to us yeah. about it. Talk to Mike Ryan about it. What do you so I, I could change my registration on August 23rd, and then I have up until February of 2023 to change my registration back to a Republican. So I and thousands of other people on August 23rd can become Democrats. To and you can vote for common sense we can vote Democrats, for common sense Democrats. Because I know that the Brooklyn uh, uh, Democratic Party is at war with itself. Yes. Uh, the the woke culture socialists against the common sense Democrats. So let's support the common sense Democrats. Yeah. I mean, this creates opportunity. This and, creates and a lot of opportunity and a nightmare at the same time. To put it in perspective, the, the key race is this congressional race, right, between Congressman Nadler and Congressman Maloney. Uh, there's about 515,000 voters in that congressional district, 337,000 are Democrats, there's 55,000 registered Republicans, and about 108,000 registered, they call blanks. So that's about 160,000 people or so who can change their registration, and primaries are typically very low turnout, and it could alter. You know, you know, something like Let's this get alter. rid of the socialists, everybody, yeah, yeah. the common sense Democrats. Yeah. And, and the common sense independents and the common sense, common sense Republicans, we all want to get rid of the socialists. 100%. And don't forget what happened to AOC during the last election. There were the AOC supported nine uh, socialist assembly people. Seven, seven of lost. the nine lost. lost. lost yes. uh, that's a good. That's a good reflection of common sense. Mike Ryan, just curious. Do you anticipate uh, any legislation, any change in uh, any change to to prohibit this, or are we just going to have to ride this out to February of twenty twenty three? It sounds like we're just going to have to write it out because we received the guidance on the change of enrollment for the August 23rd uh, primary from the State Board of Elections today. Uh, so it, 
that's a signal to me that there's probably not going to be uh, any additional changes. Mike, this is Craig Eaton. I mean, this creates so much, so much craziness out there because this applies to all of the, what is it, the Senate and the congressional races. You have two races. You have the Senate Senate, and the congressional races. The state Senate. Senate, So it applies to all the states. So so if you're a candidate, if if you're a moderate Democrat right now, and you're being challenged by a woke or a socialist Democrat, you just get all your friends who are Republicans, change their registration before August 23rd, vote you in, and then they change their registrations back. I mean, I would be very surprised if there's not an order to show cause on the table at some point between now and August 23rd. I hope not. I hope not. But I would be very surprised if not. There may very well be, but uh, Mr. Eaton, as you know, we don't get involved in the in the hardcore political aspects of the process. Right now, that's the current state of the law, and that's yeah, the yeah. guidance that we have from the State Board of Elections. You know, I feel bad for you guys because this is going to be a paper nightmare. A paper <laughs> yeah, nightmare. Yeah, so just explain what happened. People actually, some people will show up on election day and change their registration as you walk into a school or wherever you vote, and you'll hand a piece of paper to the woman or the guy sitting behind the And the, the primary is August 23rd, correct? Well, so the let's do twenty third, and the, and the state board. I mean, we can't. We don't have time to get it all it, it all on the radio now. But the state board gave us very specific guidance with respect to affidavit voters at the poll site uh, for the August twenty second primary. Wow! So when are they going to actually tally the votes? You think by the new year? That was a joke. That was a joke. That was a joke. We'll have the vote. No time to joke. This will be our seventh election So we're getting pretty good at counting the vote. Okay. But, Mike, I have a question. So people go into the voting booth and they say, I want to change my registration. How are they going to know what that person is presently registered for? I mean, do they have access to computers at at the polling sites? That's the the beauty, honestly, of the the electronic poll book. So if you come in, you're a registered Republican, and you say, I want to vote in the Democratic primary, you would not be able to vote on the DS-200 scanner machines, but you would be given an affidavit ballot envelope. You'd have to fill that out, and you'd vote by affidavit ballot. Okay, that sounds easy well, enough. Let's, uh, let's instruct our department to make sure we put out a separate podcast on this. Uh, 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 your action for August 23rd uh, primary and send it out to a million people, a couple million people. That's a, that's a great idea. Yep. Mike, great talking to you, Mike. Thanks, Michael. All right. Thank well, you guys. I we still have it. Thank Thank you so much. We still have a great show for everyone. We'll be speaking to Commissioner Ray Kelly about the lawlessness running rampant here in New York City. Keep it right here. Cats at night. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night show. We have a full studio tonight before we get to Commissioner Ray Kelly. We have Vito Fasella, the Staten Island Borough President. We have Craig Eaton. He's a former Brooklyn GOP chair, esteemed attorney, Judge Weinberg, of course, John Katzmatidis, and myself, Lydia Serrani. Commissioner Ray Kelly, I don't know where to start first. I mean, we first actually brought it out here on WABC about that cop. He was beaten up by that kid. That teenager was recently busted for having a loaded gun 
a robbery. He beat up the cop, put him in a headlock, bloodied him up, and was still let out less than 24 hours later. Now we're getting video on the MTA that their strippers doing slip and slides. Our city is going down the toilet. What are what are your thoughts, sir? Well, it's absolutely incredible. When, when you see that confrontation between the, the cop and that that person, that this is what the law provides to protect the cop and the public, a charge of, of uh, attempted assault. And if you remember, in Alvin Bragg's memo, the infamous memo that he put out on day one, it said that he would never write up a resisting arrest charge. And that's what happened here. There is no resisting arrest. If there ever was a classic case of somebody resisting arrest, it is this video. So, it, you know, it, the city is just falling apart. And uh, I, I know uh, Jason Wilcox, the head of the Transit Bureau, testified at the MTA board that assaults on transit police are up 55%. People are calling them all sorts of names. They're spitting on them. They're punching them. Um, you know, this just can't go on. I, I, I don't. Right now, I don't see any light at the end of the tunnel, but uh, people don't want to live like this. And this is one of the reasons why the transit uh, system has only used uh, 59% of what it was uh, pre-pandemic. So it's a, uh, you know, it's it's a very bleak picture for the city and certainly for safety on the transit system. And the MTA MTA is going broke because nobody's paying the fare. Well, that's it. If you get, you only have sixty percent of your ridership from pre-pandemic times, you're going to have a big hole in your in your budget, and uh, they certainly will. But it's just a very very disturbing. Uh, the city feels unsafe, unfortunately. People on the subway feel uh, unsafe. And Commissioner, this is so important for the future of uh, of the city to get people back on the subway. Yes, Richard. You know, the the problem is that the Mayor Adams has called on the governor to call a special session of legislature to clean up the so-called bail reform bill and the other flaws in the criminal justice system. And she says she doesn't think it's necessary. What do you say about oh that? Oh, God. Well, of course it's necessary. Uh, but, you know, this is a political decision on her part. There's no way that she's going to do that before the election. Uh, she's very, very attuned, very sensitive to minority groups, groups that voted for Alvin Bragg, and she's not going to take that uh, that battle on. So she cares uh, more uh, about votes than than lives. Who has to yes, die? That, that cop that could have true. been killed. That kid put him Absolutely. in a headlock. That's all she cares about is votes. She's not fit you for know, office. You know what's ironic is the cop can't use uh, a headlock or or chokehold. Right. And this individual can. Right. He, was, he wasn't charged with it. You know, we are living in an upside down world here. And, and to the governor not to sort of recognize the emergency situation that we have is just uh, unconscionable. But there's nothing. I would bet my bottom dollar. There's nothing that's going to happen before uh, the election. And who knows after that? Commissioner, this is Craig Eaton. And you know what the problem is? The problem is we live in a city where the cops, the prosecutors, and the judges are the ones with the handcuffs on and not, and not the criminals. 
and and yeah. we're getting back to the pre-Giuliani days. I walked here. I walked three blocks from the parking lot to get here, and there were four homeless people in in a short three-block radius. The streets are getting unsafe. They're getting dirty. There's homeless people all around. Uh, we're back to where where it was before Giuliani. Yeah, and you know a lot of these homeless people are threatening. It's one thing to be homeless, but it's, it's another thing when they they look like they're psychotic and they're threatening you, you know, on the street. And that's something that unfortunately you see with great regularity in uh, in, in Manhattan. And they're so, back to aggressive and, and panhandling. Also, yeah. And the quality of life issues. I mean, you take your life in your hands anytime you're crossing the street in New York. You've got to look 360 degrees. These scooters are everywhere, motorized scooters. People are dying on them, but it certainly doesn't reduce the uh, the, the use of them. So we we have significant problems here. And I, I, I wish I saw a, 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 you know, some silver lining coming down the pike here, but... Uh, Commissioner Kelly, we're running out of time. If you had a bit of advice for Commissioner Sewell, she sent out a tweet saying this is unacceptable. What would you want to say to her? Well, I've said this before. I think to change the the uh, level of street crime that we're experiencing, it has to put back the plain clothes anti-crime units. You have to have the bad guys looking over their shoulder and, and, and not the cops. There's only ones looking over their, their shoulder. And... Stop question and first is a legitimate function that should be reinstituted in, in the fashion it was done uh, a few years ago. Well, thank you so much, uh, Commissioner. Thank you for all that you do. Keep it right here. The Lou Dobbs Financial Report up next. This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night Show. Now we have for us Gordon Chang. He's an uh, author for the, also a Far East scholar, senior scholar at the Gatestone Institute. His Twitter is Gordon G. Chang. And your latest book is The Coming Collapse of China. Uh, welcome back to Cats at Night, Gordon Chang. Thank you so much, Lydia. I really appreciate it. So tell us, the Chinese Communist Party, they're at it again. There's a new report that came out. They're undermining the Federal Reserve. I mean, there are no lows low enough for them, huh? Right. I mean, they've had a targeted campaign against the Fed for quite some time. Um, Part of it is because the Fed has made itself an easy target. And that really means, Lydia, there's a couple things here. China's campaign to collect information from the U.S. is unprecedented, but also We Americans have known about this, and our leaders have not taken those steps that are necessary to stop the Chinese. So, yes, we should be upset at the Chinese, but we should be outraged at our own leaders for not protecting us. Well, I mean, uh, our leadership in Washington right now looks like they're they're owned by the Chinese, which is very disturbing. Uh, Let me ask you another thing. Uh, uh, Which of the... uh, which of the firms, like 23andMe or the other one, is owned by the Chinese? Because I understand there's been threats around that they're collecting DNA, American DNA, to use it as so bi- they can have a warfare against the— uh, Use um, it as a bioweapon against some Americans. And intelligence officials are warning people not to give away their DNA because it couldn't be used against you. Yes, it certainly can um, Jason Crow, the uh, representative from Colorado at the Aspen Security Forum over the weekend, said that, look, 
um, a foreign power can actually develop a weapon targeting a single individual using his or her DNA. We know that the Chinese for at least it's called COVID nineteen. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, it's called COVID nineteen, but that was directed at a lot of people, including six point four million people outside China who yeah. have died from it. But this is um, the possibility of using a person's DNA that they sort of spit into a cup for Ancestry or 23andMe, and whoever gets that DNA can then develop a weapon targeted on that one individual alone. But, John, we know that the Chinese for a half decade have been talking in public about what they call, quote, specific ethnic genetic attacks. In other words, attacks that will leave the Chinese immune but kill everybody else. Uh, Gordon, this is Vito Fasola. Um can you just uh, expand upon the, the concern that many have regarding the use of TikTok and information that is uh, inputted or, or shared via TikTok and how that could be and is currently being abused? Didn't Donald Trump warn yeah. us about it, too? He did. Well, Donald Trump did more than just warn the American people about it. He actually banned Correct. TikTok. And one of the first things that Joe Biden did as president was he dropped the ban. He went to federal court and uh, dropped mm. the case trying to ban TikTok and WeChat. Um, there are, you know, there are two primary concerns about TikTok. First of all, it's been illicitly taking information from Americans and sending it to China, despite years and years of assurances that they would never do such a thing. Second thing is even worse, and that is China uses the TikTok algorithm to spread propaganda to Americans, to get them to do things. So, for instance, Radio Free Asia reports that um, the Chinese People's Liberation Army used TikTok to spread videos on how to riot. This was during 2020. The Chinese military was able to identify Americans likely to participate in violent demonstrations, and then TikTok sent them the videos on how to do it. Wow. 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 Gordon, it's Richard Weinberg. Let me ask you a question. You read these reports or you see it on television about the Chinese buying up our farmland. Number one, why are they doing it? It seems to me it's obvious. They just want to grab as much of our territory and our ability to produce our own food as possible. And why is this government of ours allowing it to happen? Yeah, I, the second question I can't answer because I have no idea why the Biden administration is not protecting us. We know that Chinese parties, Judge, have been buying land for a number of reasons, but some of them are really concerning. Also, I wanted to ask you about, I've been hearing stories about they're also buying up fertility clinics, specifically on the West Coast in California. Gordon Chang, what do you know about the CCP, right, buying up fertility clinics right here in the United States? They've been buying up all medical facilities, and basically they want to control Americans. I mean, they get DNA, they harvested that from the U.S., um, and that's going back to the first question. They do this because once they get the DNA profiles of Americans, they can design weapons that are targeted to Americans. And by the way, Lydia, China prevents um, Chinese parties from sending DNA profiles of Chinese individuals outside of China. That means that they're harvesting our DNA. They won't allow transfers outbound. That is really, really ominous. And Pelosi, she was supposed to be uh, go to Taiwan, but they're saying it's too dangerous. Can you explain what's going on there? 
Well, the Financial Times last Wednesday reported that she is planning a trip to Taiwan in August. She postponed her April trip 19. Now, she has not formally announced the trip, but President Biden on Wednesday told the American people that the U.S. military is not in favor of her going. That statement was extremely misguided on the part of the president. And the reason is it convinced the Chinese that there was disagreement inside the Biden policy apparatus about the trip. And then it encouraged China to be even more belligerent in its threats against us. It shows even Biden to be weak Biden again. said that, the Chinese threatened to use force. Excuse me? It, it shows that Biden once again is being weak. He's not only being weak, he is also, um, for no reason, telling the Chinese that they should intimidate him. This is really bad statecraft. You know, the Biden people told us how competent they are. This is worse than incompetent. Yeah, but, but there's a difference here. The Speaker of the House, really, it's a separate branch of government. Uh, she should have every right. And as you know, Gordon, members of Congress have gone into some pretty dicey situations overseas. Uh, she should not balk at going to Taiwan if she feels it's the right thing to do. And nobody can truly, nobody can pretty much stop her if she wants to go. I say let her go. Yeah, definitely let her go. And the reason is the Chinese have made this a test of wills. If she doesn't go... It tells Beijing that they can demand that the Biden administration do this or that and that we will submit. So this is now a point where she has to go. And if she doesn't go, basically, uh, the Chinese are going to tell the world that they run the U.S. government. Yeah, and just as the example of uh, Gordon's veto for Sullivan, about life being a two-way street, we know that the Chinese government is coming and buying land and everything else. Uh, just flip the tables for a moment. What if uh, you or I wanted to go to China and buy some property? What would happen there in that case? You can't do that. Under Chinese law, nobody, even Chinese nationals, cannot buy Chinese property. The most you can do is to lease it for 70 years. There you have it. Well, well Gordon Shank, thank you so much for uh, enlightening all Americans. And, well, hopefully we can help save America. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much, guys. Take care. And now? And now we have a Conrad Tiller. He's a common sense Democrat. He's New York's 25th district state. Running for state Senate? Correct. He's a minister, a professor. He's also a radio host. He's an adjunct professor. He's also known as New York City's hip-hop minister. But again, he's got a lot of common sense. He wants to take the streets back from the criminals. Conrad Tiller, I'm sure you've been seeing all the videos. Have you seen the breaking news, Conrad? Well, I did. Which one? Uh, You're talking about the fact that independents in my district, of which there are many. And Republicans can change to being Democrats and vote for you. (laughs) I don't know how many Republicans we have in the Well, we have the former GOP chair here. (laughs) Conrad, <laughs> we're, we're ready to help you. We're ready. We have, uh, we have a uh, lot Craig of Eaton, the former GOP chair well, of Brooklyn. Conrad, let me, Conrad, let me tell you this. I'm excited about this race. I'm the, a this. common sense candidate and a common sense Democrat. Uh, I've lived in the district for over 20 years. And, you know, as I travel through the district, people are hopeful. It's a diverse district, nearly 400,000 people. And in all of my years in the district, I see people opening restaurants people who want good educational opportunities for their children, and most of all, they want public safety. I haven't run into anyone yet that said that the solution to our problems in that district uh, is socialism. Conrad, this is Craig Eaton, and like John was saying, I was the the Republican chairman in Brooklyn for 10 years, 
And yeah. and there's seven there's seven incumbents right now, Democratic incumbents facing really stiff primary challenges. And you know yes. we talk about on this show all the time about the fact that the state senate and the state assembly have lost their way, that they keep changing the laws and making the criminals giving giving the rights to the criminals and taking all the rights away from the police and the prosecutors and the judges. And the only way we can change that is to turn around the state senate and, and the state assembly and. And your victory and the other six victories against the incumbents could be the beginning of that change. So I'm, I'm willing to talk to you and, and help in any way I can to try and make your race one of the premier races in Brooklyn and, and, and you know, the beginning of change. Well, I'm, I'm hoping that New Yorkers of goodwill of every race, creed, color, political stripe will look at that race. Uh, Fort Greene, Clinton Hill, Bedford-Stuyvesant. Uh, Brownsville, Ocean Hill. These are very important neighborhoods uh, in the district. My great friend, the mayor, Eric Adams, was elected with a mandate uh, to make our city safe. And certainly I want to join him in Albany uh, and I want to join other legislators uh, who have common sense, who realize that without safe streets, safe communities, we cannot have a thriving city. And so I've dedicated my life to ministry in the urban setting uh, to trying to be there for our seniors. I'm also a teacher at City College, so I'm always talking to our young people about the fact that they are born at the greatest time in the greatest place in the history of the world. Imagine, we're just coming out of a world global pandemic, and in one year, the political establishment, the medical establishment, and the business establishment came up with a, a, a vaccine. There's never been a better time to live, and we've got to teach our young people that there's opportunity in this society for entrepreneurship, uh, uh, to grow, to improve their lot in life, and not sell to them a dismal vision. And that's what I'm afraid has been done. And I just read an article in the, Democrat, uh, in the New York Times magazine about the banishing moderate Democrat. And I don't believe that. You know, I host a radio program up the dial, and my tagline is, uh, not from the left, not from the right but not from the left, but common sense from an African-American perspective. And I think that's what people in the 25th district want. They want good jobs. They want a chance at home ownership. And parents, if they're not able to send their child to an independent school or private school, they want the opportunity to find a good community-based charter school. And I'll be fighting to support parents in their desire to have choice when I make it to Albany. Conrad uh, Taylor, uh, tell us the uh, boundaries of your district, and um, uh, tell us that first. Yes, well, it's a, you know it's a very diverse district. It starts at the venerable uh, Fort Greene projects, where Albert King and Bernard King came from. Goes through Clinton Hill, where people like Spike Lee came from. It goes through Bedford Stuyvesant, where both Norman Mailer and Connie Hawkins went to school. And of course, we just lost the great Al Van. Uh, who was my neighbor in Bedford-Stuyvesant, and it goes all the way out to Brownsville. It includes the Navy Yard and small areas of Prospect Heights. So it's a diverse district. It's almost 400,000 people. It's racially diverse. Uh, it's it's eth ethnically diverse. Uh, it it uh, is, is, is a great, vibrant community uh, in Brooklyn, Con and the people deserve good leadership, and that's why I'm running. Conrad Tillard. Let me tell you something. I've been in those neighborhoods, and I've been in Harlem, and common-sense blacks, common-sense Asians, common-sense Latinos are angry out there. They're angry. They want safe streets. And I am telling the State Assembly and the State Senate, 
Who are you going to sponsor? You're going to sponsor eight and a half million people in New York City that want safe streets or 3,000 violent criminals that just don't give a damn? Well, I tell you, Mr. Casamitidis, we know that bail reform was a good idea. It's a good idea because you shouldn't have people in jail but for the fact that they can't post bond. But we know that it did not intend to encompass people like the gentleman who, and I say that uh, uh, loosely, that's tried to stab a sitting member of Congress, uh, a gubernatorial candidate, and he was out on bail uh, that night on his own recognizance. This is a mistake. This is a travesty. And I'm not saying I know exactly how we have to fix bail reform, but I do know that we've got to look at fixing it. And that's why I want to go to Albany so that the governor and the mayor and the people of New York can live in a safe state, a safe city, because we know that once safety is established, we will have a vibrant economy, we'll have happy families, and we will once again uh, regain our status as one of the greatest cities in the known world. And so I'm a committed New Yorker, Brooklynite. I'm a Bedford-Stuyvesant resident, but I want to go to Albany. and hey, Can I move to Brooklyn? Craig Eaton, can yeah. I move to Brooklyn and vote for him? You can move anywhere you want, John. Conrad Tillard. Before I, August 23rd, buddy. It's okay. got to be before Conrad, August 23rd. This is uh, Lydia Serrano. I have a question for sure. you. You started off sure. saying that no one wants to vote for a socialist. We don't want socialism. We know it doesn't work. All they have to do is look at Cuba and look at Venezuela. But as a reporter that was on the streets for many years, especially right here in New York City, I've never heard anyone say they want less cops. They want more cops. Every time I showed up at a crime scene, what are you hearing? I mean, we keep seeing young, well, innocent children being killed. It's just it's horrible. We can't have what, this anymore. What I'm hearing is <clears throat> what I've known uh, since the 1980s when I've dedicated my life to uh, fighting uh, in my community, to reestablishing and rebuilding my community is that people simply want police officers to do their job. And that's why I love the mayor. <clears throat> he won't tolerate police excesses. But at the same time, he will not tolerate uh, a lack of order, lawlessness in the streets. And so people just want police to arrest the people committing crimes, respect the law-abiding citizens, and the people uh, need to respect the peace officers, the first responders, as they do their job. And we can create harmony in the community. That's what most of the people, my neighbors in Bedford-Stuyvesant, my neighbors in Clinton Hill, Fort Greene, Brownsville, that's what they want. And, and, and I'll tell you something, uh, when you really talk to the people, uh, you will see that most people understand that while defunding the police has some merit, if, if by that you mean moving around monies that can be used, yes, we have a problem with our homelessness, mental illness, we need to allocate more money. But Conrad. not as an antagonistic gesture to say that we have to defund the police. They have to have the tools they need to protect and serve. We have to hold them accountable for that. But we also have to respect them and allow them to do their job. If folks want to support me, I want to tell them, go to TillardForSenate.com. Tillard for Senate. I'm a common sense Democrat. Tillard is spelled T-I-L-L, two L's, A-R-D. That's correct. Conrad, yes, this sir. is Craig Eaton. I'll reach out to you tomorrow. See if well, we can, get, see if so we can much, help you a little uh, bit in Brooklyn, my hometown. I thank I and thank all of you, and uh, I'll do the best I can to uh, try to be a leader that brings New Yorkers together and represents the 25th Senate District uh, and brings a credit to our city and to our borough. God and to bless. Our, our, God our bless. District. Now, uh, what, what else uh, in Brooklyn, uh, uh, Craig Eaton, make a list of all common sense Democrats yeah. that have a primary 
in Brooklyn. And, you know, on the assembly, uh, 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 Mr. Tillard, uh, AOC supported seven assembly people, nine assembly people, seven, seven of the seven nine lost. lost. This is the time, John. We have to this do it now. There is There's no more time to waste. Let's take New York back. She's supporting my opponent, too. So she's, she's, well, she's going to race against her. Well, God bless you, and thank you for okay. coming on. We're going to have to take so a much. break, but make a, Craig, make uh, a list yeah, of those, yeah. everybody with common sense in Brooklyn. Done. Okay? Done. And let's take a break, and when we come back, we're, we're going to go from Brooklyn all the way to Connecticut, and we have the Connecticut GOP chairman, uh, Ben Proto, Prado, and he's going to tell us what the heck is going on in Connecticut. This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats and Night Show. First, we're saving America. Then we're saving New York. Then we're saving New York City. Now we're making our way up to Connecticut. We're going to talk to Connecticut GOP Chair Ben Proto. Uh, welcome to Cats and Night. In the room with us, we have Judge Weinberg. We also have Craig Eaton. We have Vito Fisello, who's the Staten Island Borough President, John Katzmatidis, and myself, Lydia Serrani. GOP Chair Proto, what's going on in Connecticut? Give us the lay of the land. Well, good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Uh, lots of good things going on in Connecticut. Uh, we're looking forward to an outstanding November. Uh, we uh, believe we're uh, in position to uh, ride the red wave across the United States uh, and unseat uh, some incumbents, most notably uh, Ned Lamont and our all-time favorite uh, Dick Blumenthal. So are there any issues there as far as crime? I mean, we're having some crime issues. I know in upstate New York, we're having them here in New York City. What is the situation there? And that seems to really be kind of spurring on this this uh, common sense wave, at least here in, in uh, downstate. Uh, same in Connecticut. Uh, you know, during COVID and uh, in the 2021 and early 2022, we, we saw a uh, large increase in crime, particularly juvenile crime. Um, along with, um, you know, an increase in uh, car thefts, an increase in break-ins, an increase in actually Hartford had its highest uh, murder rate, homicide rate in almost 20 years. Uh, So we're seeing uh, a large increase in crime in Connecticut, uh, particularly among violent crime uh, and juvenile crime. And a lot of that is related to legislation that the Democrats related to juvenile crime and juvenile justice, uh, where it was literally impossible for police officers or judges to get information regarding previous arrests of juveniles. And so under the law, they had to be released within six hours of being arrested uh, without uh, anyone knowing what their previous history was. And if a police officer wanted to try to extend the hold period, they had to go to a judge and get the judges okay to do so, but the judge was not allowed to see the juvenile's record. So, yeah, we have a crime issue, uh, our parental rights issues. As you know, Connecticut did away with religious and medical exemptions for children vaccines. So if your child is not vaccinated, you are not allowed to attend any school in the state of Connecticut, public or private. Ben, this is Vito Fasella. You know, a lot of folks know the New York state politics. There's upstate, there's Long Island, there's the suburbs, there's New York City. How would you characterize the Connecticut uh, ge- geography, if you will, as it relates to politics, and how do you see it flowing towards the Republican way this November? So uh, I would uh, kind of divide Connecticut into three 
three sections. We would have Rhode Island to what would be roughly uh, what we call the Route 9 Connecticut River area, from the Connecticut River to roughly the Housatonic River, and from the Housatonic River to the New York border. Um, and we would have Fairfield County and Eastern Connecticut. Eastern Connecticut was a strong supporter of Donald Trump in both 2016 and 2020. Uh, Fairfield County less so. Uh, Fairfield County, as you all know, at one time was heavily Republican. Uh, and we believe they're going to start coming back as they, uh, they saw a, a large increase in crime. There were some of the first towns in our state to uh, fight against the mask mandates in school, the uh, regionalization of our schools. Hartford wanted to take over our local zoning and require um, Hartford to dictate how our towns would develop. Uh, that really hit Fairfield County very hard, uh, and we've seen a large increase in folks really uh, rebelling against the Hartford takeover of their towns. Remember, Connecticut doesn't have counties. We have 169 separate little towns that run from populations of about 800 to populations of 170, 180,000 people um, without counties. So when you start dealing with little towns and trying to take it over, people tend to get very parochial and not very happy with uh, our friends in Hartford. Yeah, as our son uh, Dylan is a proud alum of Fairfield University. I know that area very well, and I think you, if you can tap into that and, and – but people decide instead of uh, the folks up in Hartford yeah. to be in pretty good shape. Well, we're out of time. Exactly. And, uh, I want to thank the chairman of uh, uh, Ben Prado. And uh, thank you for coming on. And uh, thank you, uh, our two GOP people in the uh, in the studio, Craig Eaton, 10 years GOP chairman of Brooklyn, and uh, uh, Vito Fasella, borough president of Staten Island. Thank you. You guys do a great job. And a common-sense Democrat. Judge Richard Weinberg, thank you for being there. And my sidekick, Lydia Serrani. And what do we stand for in this uh, studio? Truth, Truth, justice, and the American way. Thank you, Jim.